The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at WrestlingWithJonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of This Week in Wrestling History, or This Week in History, as we uh, just basically put up there. I want to thank you for joining us, whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Also watching us in video form on Facebook or YouTube. We're always available anywhere you want to look for us. Check us out on online uh, at scumbagswrestling.ca and be a part of the conversation. Send us a message. Tell us what you like, what you want to see in the future. We are going to be revamping the format starting next week. Deeper dives into uh, some conversations and uh, events and people's careers and just yeah a different way of looking at the history since we've done a whole year of it in the format that we're going to present today so I want to thank CoolBet our great sponsor for that uh, our, all our shows we're looking forward to our uh, fantasy sorry our predictions league for day one coming up on January 1st so get your picks in for there, and we're going after the title. Yeah, there's uh, not much else going on. Oh, just a reminder, because it is uh, Christmas season, stop over at our store at prowrestlingtees.com backslash scumbagswrestling for T-shirts for you to uh, wear and support Stevens Wrestling Journey and the uh, research for carry Mel Formation through Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. So once again... ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Scumbags Wrestling. All proceeds from the sales are going to go to Steven's Wrestling Journey. So that's all out of the way. And now we can go over to Niagara Falls to see Jonesy, who put together the list. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. It's a very mild week here in London. I'm imagining the same over in Niagara. Yeah, it's uh, pretty nice, windy, of course. Uh, across Ontario, uh, a few signs uh, got blown uh, down. Um, Jimmy Buffett sign got blown down, and uh, a whole whack load of uh, fencing around uh, construction sites and that were uh, obliterated. <laughs> yeah, that happened around here too. I have a tree down, and the sign to my complexes have uh, been snapped right off. Just crazy wind in December. Go figure. But hey, it's given a lot of people work. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not the best type of work, but it is getting work. And as I said earlier, we have reached our uh, round the uh, calendar for the year with this week's episode and our uh, format. So we're going to be uh, changing it up. But let's get to this week's uh, list. Yes, and uh, for those listening, uh, lots of the events and birthdays, etc., uh, some of them have been omitted from this list because normally we go from anywhere to 8 to 11 pages. This was 17 pages, so uh, limited down to 10 pages. So there'll be a few things that you might go, hey, why is it in there? Like some slammies, but it's only slammies. So, uh, so we're going to start with December 10th. 49 years ago in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, uh, Ric Flair makes his professional wrestling debut against uh, George Gadaski. Uh, the match would end with a 10-minute time limit draw. Pretty good for your first match, getting the time limit draw. Yeah, you went Broadway, a 10-minute Broadway. Uh, and then those that are looking at this picture that's on the uh, screen right now, Hard to believe this is the Nature Boy. Uh, very husky uh, built style of the Nature Boy. Hair helmet type deal. Very thick eyebrows. Thick neck even. Uh, definitely a hoss compared to uh, the Nature Boy we end up eventually getting after the plane crash. Wow. That is a kind of a different looking flare. Uh, 48 years ago in New York City, Bruno Sammartino defeated Stan Stasiak to win the WWF Championship. Uh, this win would make Sammartino the first to win the WWF title more than once. And held it for multiple years. 
46 years ago in Miami, Florida, Terry Funk defeated Jack Briscoe to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and would join his brother as the only brothers to hold the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, uh, both of them at different times, of course. Yep. 22 years ago in Osaka, Japan, Jinrishio uh, Tenru, Tenru uh, defeated Kenji Muda uh, to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And uh, fans over here in North America would recognize Tenru from his time in, I believe, the Royal Rumble and definitely uh, teaming with Katao against uh, Demolition at WrestleMania 7. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Bobby the Brain uh, made a joke about the name Katal. <laughs> yes. All right, moving on to Armageddon, uh, which was 21 years ago uh, from the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. Some of the matches, Chris Jericho defeated Kane in the last man standing match. Edge and Christian defeated the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon. Uh, right censor Bull Buchanan and Go uh, Goodfather, and Road Dog and K Quick in a fatal four way match to win the WWF tag team belts. Chris Benoit would defeat Billy Gunn to win the WWF IC belt, and Kurt Angle defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Triple H, The Undertaker, Rikishi, and The Rock uh, in a six man uh, Hell in a Cell to retain the WWF championship. I will say out of uh, the results, one, I definitely, I, I never understand why do they put guys like Kane in the last man standing match and you have him lose? Yeah. Uh, that makes no effing sense to the character. If any match he should win, it's those ones. The ones where you have to actually pin the guy, let him lose those all day long. Yeah, especially with his size and strength and everything, it's kind of odd that way. But then you look at that main event, and uh, we'll bring it back up with the six guys that were in there uh, with the Hell in a Cell. But uh, this was that weird one where, for no apparent reason, a truck full of hay backed up oh. down the aisle and into uh, bumped into the cell just conveniently in time for... Undertaker to toss Rikishi off the top of the cell and into the pile of hay. And, of course, he was basically done for the rest of that match. But had so that truck not shown up... Did they gave... Like, there was no setup to the truck arriving? It just arrived? and I don't recall there being any uh, rhyme or reason uh, for that. That might be one to take a, a, um, a more in-depth look at and go, what the... Because, yes, it was cool to see, oh, great yeah. front, but why is that truck there? <laughs> exactly. Well, we know why it's there, but. Uh, right. 14 years ago, WWE presented the Raw 15th anniversary special. Uh, the show was filled with special guests, including Big Dick Johnson, Howard Finkel, Bastion Booger, Pat Patterson, Jared Briscoe, Stephanie McMahon, Sonny, Eric Bischoff, Lita, Trish Stratus, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, the matches, uh, that some of the matches that were on the card, Jeff Hardy defeated Carlito in a ladder match to retain the WWE IC belt. Evolution, which of course was Batista, Triple H, and Ric Flair defeated R uh, rated RKO, Orton and Edge, and Umanga by DQ. Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase won the 15-man battle royal. Uh, the other participants was Al Snow, Bart Gunn, Bob Backlund, Doink, Flash Funk, Gangrel, Gilberg, IRS, Jim Neidhart, Pete Gass, Repo Man, Scotty Duhati, Sergeant Slaughter. Of course, if he's not in there, he has to be in there. Uh, Skinner, Steve Blackman, and The Goon. Quite the eclectic uh, group of people there. Yeah, n yeah no wonder a million dollar man uh, won that one. He paid them all off. Yeah. Is that what happened? I believe so, because Ted wasn't able to take bumps. And Cody Rhodes and Hardcore Holly defeated Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch to win the World Tag Team Championship. And as far as the birthday, we got one for December 10th. It's a happy 32nd birthday uh, for Jason Anthony uh, Paul 
a.k.a. JTG, who you got to give it to the guy. He uh, was there for a long time and he was a pretty hard worker. Uh, in fact, I, if I, I almost want to say he won a battle royal at uh, the JLC when I went there the one time, but I can't remember if he won yeah. it. Or not. But he was in it. possible with that. Um, uh, unfortunately, he uh, lost his tagging partner about a year and a half ago when Shad drowned. Uh, but JTG um, is over on uh, NWA and was just recently teaming with uh, Dirty Dango, formerly Fandango. Uh, so if people are fans of uh, JTV, they can uh, catch him over on NWA. All right. Moving on, December 11th, 24 years ago at a Raw is War taping, Triple H defeated Shawn Michaels to win the WWF European Championship. Uh, a year or so before the finger poke of doom in WCW, uh, this match, the WWF did it first. When Michaels landed on, uh, sorry, laid it down for Helmsley as the members of D-Generation X made a mockery of the match ordered by then WWF Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter. At least there was a little more action to it than the finger poke of doom. because and they made uh, it. They made it quite funny, if I remember the ridiculous going back and forth on the ropes. And yeah, they locked up, and then Hunter pushed Sean down, and and Hunter ran the ropes in very slow motion strides, and then landed on him and got the pin, and cried like it was the best day of his life. Yeah, and again, you you only had the European Championship change hands. Uh, much better than the WCW finger polka do. With the world title. Yeah. Ten years ago, TNA presented final resolution. Uh, Jeff Hardy defeated uh, Jeff Jarrett in a steel cage match. With the win, the Jarretts were fired from TNA, and Hardy became the number one contender to the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. This would be one of Double J's last pay-per-view matches with the company as he would move to behind the scenes. And Bobby Roode and AJ Styles went to a 30-minute time limit draw, 3-3 three three in an Ironman match for a TNA World Heavyweight Championship. I don't know if you can call it an Ironman when it's only a half an hour. Yeah, it's kind of weak. Because even at that point, you can only maybe get one pin, ideally, if it, they're that... Oh, but uh, they, got, they got a total of six pins in a half hour, which is yeah. like... Okay, then why isn't the uh, matches normally that quick? I don't like but, it when they do these Ironman matches and they have a ridiculous amount of falls. If you're going to do that, it better be the other half hour of the match. Yeah, exactly. Like for to be put in a uh, uh, Ironman match for the world title, there has to be a lot of animosity and a lot of things going on where there's no finishes. Uh, constantly, and that's why they need to go to an Ironman uh, mm -hmm. situation. But then it needs to be a longer thing, an hour. Go uh, that length of time. Then you're now more believable, and as you pointed out, in the latter half of the half hour, or that hour, after the first half hour, when they start uh, sucking wind and being uh, spent, then it's more believable that they're losing as opposed to six victories in 30 minutes. Yeah, if it was like Hacksaw Jim Duggan against, uh, say, Greg Valentine, mind you, he can go for a long time. That would be more of an Iron Man match. Uh, seven years ago, NXT presented TakeOver 3, Our Evolution. Uh, the show was noted for the debut of Kevin Owens, a.k.a. Kevin Steen. Uh, Sami Zayn defeated Adrian Neville to win the NXT Championship. And uh, I do believe at the end he got the shit kicked out of him by uh, uh, Kevin Owens. Yeah, as uh, the pictures that I have uh, selected up here uh, basically tell the story of uh, that uh, battle where Sami Zayn was actually relevant compared mm. to what they're doing right now with his conspiracy theory uh, situation going on and everything and in that regards. But Sami Zayn made his way to becoming the NXT uh, champion. Kevin Owens made his debut against Finn Juice, uh, or sorry, Juice Robinson. I think his name was CJ Parker at the time uh, in the opening match. But then after Sami won, everybody was celebrating and 
There was a big celebration in the middle of the ring. Uh, lifted uh, Sammy on their shoulders. Out came Kevin. They celebrated, and as you see in the bottom uh, left-hand side of this picture, they're congratulating, uh, and it's a happy moment for them because they're great friends from the times when they uh, battled uh, and tagged together as Kevin Steen and El Generico. And as they uh, start walking up the uh, rampway, Kevin uh, Owens then uh, clotheslines Sami Zayn, then picks up uh, Zayn and power bombs him on the uh, side of the ring apron. And that started their blood feud where a lot of people were happy that uh, Kevin Owens was there. And he was went from being a face to a heel in no time flat, which is awesome. And I think this is one of the first times that they ended up doing something uh, special where they thought the fans or were sending the fans away and going, okay, have a great night. They put up the uh, little copyright at the bottom. They did it with uh, DIY matches as well when Ciampa and Gargano ended up turning on each other. But this one they did it too as well where they have them celebrating and great friends. Here's your logo. We're going to fade to black in a moment and before, Instead of fading to black, you got the attack. Then you faded to black, which sent people going, what the hell? And that's a great way of doing storytelling, which is so rare, especially on the main roster. But this came from uh, the old uh, black and gold. Mm -hmm. All right. And we have one birthday for December 11th. Uh, it's a happy 47th birthday for Oscar uh, Guterres, uh, a.k.a. Ray Mysterio Jr. And, uh, wow, 47. Still kind of young. Yeah, Not for yeah. a wrestler, but um, still kind of young. And good to see that he's still, uh, you know, he's still in there. And uh, probably if you take off that mask, like uh, we see on the left-hand side when he was in WCW and took off the mask, he probably would just looks like a chunky 12-year-old. A chunky kid. Compared to the thin 12-year-old on the left-hand side. Uh, moving on, December 12th. 32 years ago, WWF taped No Holds Barred, the match, the movie, from the Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. The No Holds Barred match, uh, a tag team steel cage match between the duo of Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and the tandem of Macho Man Randy Savage and Zeus, which was portrayed by actor Tiny Lister, was the featured bout of wrestling challenge taping. Uh, the main match would uh, become a pay-per-view, and the movie would air December 27th along with it. Uh, this would also be the final appearance on WWF TV for Zeus. And it was also on one of their um, Coliseum videos. I believe it was the end match of... can't remember, but I, I know it was on... Uh, I think it was on another one of their um, videos. Yeah, probably one of their WrestleFest uh, type uh, compilation videos or something like that. Um, yeah, and you had Sherry peering into the cauldron of the madness. Yep. It's not a great technical match, but it is a good, fun match to watch, especially for that time. You didn't get a lot of cage matches, and when you did, they were they were pretty uh, uh, epic and it was the old blue cage. And then, of course, uh, people were treated to watching uh, No Holds Barred the movie, which I saw in the movie theater. And, yeah, that doesn't I think age. you're one of seven people that's seen it yeah, in the movie theater. <laughs> probably. Uh, but it doesn't age well, uh, some of the things that are in that. And, you know, uh, the overacting uh, of Hogan when he jumped out of the limo that gets stolen and uh, kidnapped in. And uh, there's a something to wrestle with where they actually uh, watch it to Bruce and uh, uh, what's it, Conrad do. And yeah. they're talking about it throughout that. And he's just like, did you get that idea for Ray Mysterio's entry from yeah. this? And then you got Stan Hansen with uh, going in the bathroom and uh, approaching Burrell and going tiny wangers. <laughs> And the guy that Hogan ends up uh, getting after he breaks out of the limo and going, uh, they uh, shits themselves, and he's like, "What's that smell? 
Dookie. Just wow. really, really cheesy 80s movie storytelling and worth the watch, I guess. But as I said, it doesn't age well. <laughs> A lot of them don't, unfortunately. 22 years ago, WWF presented Armageddon 2009. Uh, the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk, won a tag team battle royal. Miss Kitty wins the WWF Women's Championship in an evening gown match and quickly flashes her puppies until Sergeant Slaughter covers her up. Uh, but half the nation already, including me, was already a tent hut. You slime. Val Venus defeated the British Bulldog and D'Lo Brown in a triple threat match to win the WWF European Championship. Kane defeated X-Pac in a steel cage match. Chris Jericho defeated China to win the WWF IC belt. And Triple H defeated Vince McMahon in a street fight. Yeah, but it kind of was an odd uh, thing because they had them going against each other. And uh, then Stephanie stopped uh, Vince from using the sledgehammer on Triple H, but then you uh, used it on her dad. And then, uh, or no, Triple H was going to use it on Vince, but then uh, she stopped him, and but used it on her dad type deal. But then they revealed that they're together. And this is after a uh, Stephanie McMahon uh, date rape, uh, roofied, and uh, gone through the... Uh, drive through wedding chapel. All of a sudden, she's uh, on board with this whole thing. I th I think she was in on it. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, and just a really embarrassed test. Yeah. And any match, I'm sorry, any match that Triple H brings out that friggin' sledgehammer, I just hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. In wrestling? Chairs fine, but there should be no sledgehammers, anything like that, because we know in reality one hit with that and you're fucking dead. Well, if you ever noticed, he more used it more like a roll of quarters and, and a uh, um, yeah, yeah, but... brass knuckles to a certain extent because he'd always cup it the uh, sledge part and then hit uh, whoever it was. Whenever he swung it without covering the uh, uh, hammer part, you knew he always missed. There was a very rare time that he connected on an actual swing without it protected. So, like I said, he used it more as a uh, brass knucks, uh, roll of quarters type. Oh, yeah, uh, but I, I still I still hate it, because then it's like, well, then use brass knucks. Use a roll of quarters. The sledgehammer I, I, it's just an absolute dumb gimmick, in my opinion, because you're bringing your... You, Fans already know that wrestling is, you know, on the take or whatever you want to call it. Pre and when you bring real things in, like sledgehammers. Obviously, since you can't actually use it for realsies, you cover it up and it just looks dumb. It looks awkward. It's stupid. I just, I never understood it. I hate it. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> 17 years ago, WWE presents Armageddon 2004. Uh, Kurt Angle defeated Santa Claus. So we know this uh, is a uh, great pay-per-view. Uh, Daniel Pewter uh, defeated Mi uh, Mike Mizen... Uh, How do you say that back then? Mizanianen? <laughs> Mizanen. Mizanen. Uh, via judge's decision to win the Million Dollar Tough Enough competition. John Zena defeated Jesus in a street fight, or is it Jesus? Jesus. Jesus in a street fight to retain the WWE United States Championship. Yeah, he didn't last long with the company. Yeah, Jesus. I never even heard the guy. I'm like, he hung out with Carlito. Oh, okay. And JBL defeated Eddie Guerrero, The Undertaker, and Booker T in a fatal four way match to retain the WWE Championship. A few birthdays. It's a happy 40th birthday for Edward Moore, best known to wrestling fans as Eddie Kingston. It's a happy 55th birthday for Yoshiro Asai, best known to wrestling fans as the Ultimo Dragon, or Ultimo Dragon, depending uh, on who says it. 
He was best known for his time in WCW. Um, for us, North American audience, uh, he once had the gimmick of being the last student trained by legendary martial artist Bruce Lee, thus the name Ultimo Dragon, translating to The Last Dragon. He is one of the most uh, successful junior heavyweights ever. He once held 10 belts at one time, and that was for about one week. Uh, Dragon is considered, uh, sorry, is credited with popularizing the uh, Asai Moonsault, a springboard moonsault from the apron on the ring to an opponent on the outside. Dragon also competed for the top three federations in Mexico, the Universal Wrestling Association, AAA, and CMLL. In Japan, he wrestled for the United uh, Wrestling Federation, uh, sorry, the Universal Wrestling Federation, uh, Wrestle and Romance, uh, War, also it was known as, and briefly for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Dragon also briefly competed for WWE in parts of 2003 and 2004, and I think he made another appearance, uh, what, a few years yeah. ago? I'm not uh, fully sure on that one. Uh, I do know that I saw Ultimo Dragon at a uh, Smash Wrestling event a couple of years ago in uh, Toronto, uh, he was part of the uh, tournament that they were holding and uh, obviously doing autographs and uh, pictures. Uh, Chris Maloney ended up getting his picture taken with him. I took one from the floor. Um, I got uh, Trevor uh, got a signed uh, book by him and got that to him. It, the weird part of the whole thing is with him being 55. So at that time, he would have been, I guess, 53. Uh, when we saw him, he walked so slow uh, to the ring, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is not going to be good. And I felt really bad for him because here's this older uh, wrestler now doing the indie scenes like this, and God only knows what he was charging to be there for the two days and to get him there. But I was kind of hesitant on what his matches were going to end up being like. But as soon as that bell rings, it's almost like Festus, where he, he went from slow to, oh, my God. And, yeah, he put on amazing matches both uh, days. And then he went back. As soon as the bell rang, he was back to yeah. Slow. Well, maybe, maybe it's kind of like uh, if you've seen Tony Bennett of late. No. he Tony Bennett, uh, he suffers from, like, um, Alzheimer's or one of them. But – he doesn't remember much at all. Uh, he seems, you know, a little slow and all that. But it's amazing. He still does concerts. As soon as they give him that microphone, a flick switches in him, and you wouldn't even know the guy doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, it's amazing it's how nature. people so. can do that. And maybe, hey, maybe... Um, uh, Ultimo Dragon uh, just does that to screw with the fans. <laughs> Could be. Hey, it's a happy 57th birthday for Terry Michael uh, Brunnick. Or Brun, Brunnick. Brunk. Brunk. There you go. See, that's why Sean's here. Um, best known to wrestling fans as Sabu. And it's a happy 70th birthday for a ring announcer who spent time with both the WWF and WCW, Gary Michael Capetta, one of my favorite ring announcers. Uh, between him saying Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's name and Sting at the high pitch he did, uh, just wonderful. And it would have been a, a the 87th birthday for, uh, God, I'm not even going to try to, that one, uh, Jose Lothario. His real name is just, wow. Uh, competing primarily for the National Wrestling Alliance of Florida and Houston territories, Lothario is most famously known to younger fans as the trainer of WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels. He managed Michaels in 96 during Shawn's run as WWF champion. Jose's wife, Jean, uh, wrestled for the Southwest Wrestling Alliance, and the couple have two children, Pete, who is a wrestler in Texas, and Gina. And one more birthday, it would have been the 98th birthday for Robert William Barker, a.k.a. Bob Barker. It still was. Bob is still with us. Oh, yeah. Oh, he is. Bob oh, is still, still with us. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, That's Bob. That's okay. 
But 98 years old, he's up there with uh, Dick Van Dyke and uh, Betty White as uh, people who are looking old, especially with the fact that their hair has gone gray and their skin has gone the way they have. But you can tell who they are still, and they still are active and, I guess, spiritually ageless to that extent. Mind you, Betty White right now has pretty much left the limelight. She's um, living with a bear. Yeah, I saw that video just recently, and <laughs> Dick Van Dyke just had his birthday as well, and he has like a 40-year-old wife or something like that. But, hey, congrats to uh, all of them uh, being around this long, especially mm-hmm. Bob, who has a WWE connection. Absolutely. Uh, December 13th. 34 years ago, AWA, in association with World Class Wrestling Association, Powerful Women of Wrestling and Championship Wrestling Association, presented Super Clash 3 from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, The lone AWA pay-per-view was a financial failure with just a little over 1,600 fans in attendance and only about 40,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. The financial disaster resulted in many of the participants on the show not seeing a dime of the revenue, basically killing AWA founder Vern Gagne's working relationship with the other promotions. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet with Tony Khan, but, you know, Tony Khan has more money than Vern Gagne. But, yeah, seeing Super Clash 3 almost looked like how, uh, I think it was... uh, Slammiversary or Bound for Glory? Bound for Glory for uh, uh, t- Impact Wrestling recently were and uh, making it seem as though it was going to be a super card involving all the different organizations. Unfortunately, that fell short. I don't know who's to blame on that one, but it would be great to see since this whole Forbidden Door uh, thing exists minus WWE if a super card. Uh, like Super Clash 3, could be put together. And the problem is, uh, I heard it uh, as far as even trying to do an Ontario version of it, there's unfortunately too many egos potentially in the way where how do you determine who's main eventing, who do you, who's going over. Whoever, whoever gets the biggest sponsorship for their match, that's who wins. Exactly. <laughs> That's, That's how I put it. If you can raise more money, you win. You get the main event. Yeah, so it, it's unfortunate that those dream cards will only be dream cards to a certain extent. Like even with the Forbidden Door with AWA and AEW having others in, what were some of the bigger matches? We didn't get huge matches out of it. We were just like, oh, wow, that guy's here from Japan, or that guy's here from uh, Impact. But it didn't really shake the needle on anything of Mm -hmm. bringing in uh, interest uh, for it spreading around all the organizations. See, I honestly, I put egos aside. I think indie promotions should be able to do it because it would be a win-win for all of them. Oh, yeah. Comp- uh, what was it? Yeah, go ahead. All right. 32 years ago, WCW presented Starcade 89 Future Shock, one of their um, better uh, named uh, um, pay per views. Uh, the Hulk of the show was a pair of one night round robin tournaments featuring the top four single wrestlers and top four tag teams in WCW. A point system would be used to determine a winner. The Road Warriors defeated the new Wild Samoans, uh, winning the Iron Man uh, Tag Team Tournament with 40 points. The Steiners were second with 35, followed by the new Wild Samoans with 30, and Doom got nothing. In the main event, uh, Sting defeated Ric Flair, winning the Iron Man Tournament with 40 points. Luger finished second with 35, followed by Flair, and the Great Muda got nothing. Yeah, it's hard to see those names like Muda and Doom getting absolutely nothing. Uh, It's like they were the jobbers of the stars. Yeah, I'm sure they felt great about that. 
I, I bet you the Muda probably didn't give a shit, but you know, I'm sorry if I was doomed, I'd be like, really, really. Yeah. The, the new Wild Samoans get 30 points, and we get nothing. What the? 32 years ago in Huntsville, Alabama, the colossal connection Andre the Giant and Haku defeated Demolition X and Smash to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. It was a nice thing for them to do, letting Andre finally have a actual belt in the WWF and uh, kind of sending him uh, out with, uh, you know, a little more attention on him and uh, his uh, tag team adventure. Yeah, and he got a great moment in front of the Toronto crowd at Skydome when he got to turn face and uh, after dropping the titles and go out on the cart and wave to fans. To this day, I don't know why Toronto doesn't have a big freaking statue of Andre out there. 28 years ago today, Alundra Blaze defeated Heidi Lee Morgan in the finals of the tournament to win the vacated WWF Women's Championship. And hey, that was 28 years ago, 26 years ago today. The WWF Women's Championship is deactivated. Uh, the title's deactivation came when its champion, Alundra Blaze, in the entire women's division was let go by the WWF due to cost-cutting measures. And five days later, the belt would be trashed in WCW by Medusa, a.k.a. Alundra Blaze. Thanks to Eric Bischoff giving her a call, and she said that she still had the belt, and he asked her to bring it there. But a lot of, uh, she got basically blackballed after that whole thing, uh, at least by everybody outside of WCW. And the promise of WCW giving the women a platform didn't uh, really go far because they didn't do too much. They even created a title, which I don't even think they used. <laughs> and then when she got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, she actually brought a garbage can and pulled it out, just tongue-in-cheek, uh, the whole thing. Well, yeah, you know what? It's uh, it happened, and it was a good thing it happened because it really it stirred things up. But honestly, when it happened to me, it didn't seem to be that big of a deal because, sorry, it's the women's belt. No offense to the women, but it was the women's belt. True. Uh, 16 years ago at a SmackDown taping, Batista and Rey Mysterio defeated Eminem, Joey Mercury, and Johnny Nitro to win the WWE Tag Team Championship and would air on the 16th of December. 13 years ago at a house show in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, John Morrison and The Miz defeated CM Punk and Kofi Kingston to win the World Tag Team Championship. Awesome. Yeah. 12 years ago, WWE presented the first TLC at Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, replacing Armageddon. Uh, some of the matches, Drew McIntyre defeated John Morrison to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Sheamus defeated John Zena in a Tables match to win the WWE Championship. And D-Generation X, Michaels and Triple H, defeated Jerry Show. Jericho and the Big Slow in a tables, ladders, and chairs match to win the WWE Unified Tag uh, Team Championship. Yeah, now uh, TLC is not happening this year. It was actually supposed to happen, I think, this upcoming weekend. Uh, originally scheduled uh, to do, but then, uh, or no, it was supposed to be last weekend, I believe, on the 12th. But uh, yeah, because of uh, Tony, I mean, Nick Khan, the other Khan in wrestling, uh, mm -hmm. wanting to uh, bring in something new for WWE fans and create a day one and trying to make that as a uh, regular pay-per-view on January 1st, TLC is uh, gone by the wayside, which I'm okay with uh, to the extent where I prefer pay-per-views with titles on them as opposed to gimmicks. Uh, named after them, but after what we saw this past Monday uh, with the WWE Championship match becoming a fatal four-way, some toys were brought out, including chairs and uh, tables. Won't be surprised if uh, by day one we're seeing that uh, turn into a TLC match just mm. to make up for the fact that we don't have the TLC pay-per-view. Yeah. 
and I, th I think that's the that that's the yeah that was the event that uh, I I love their set for that event. Oh, was it the dangling oh, tables and chairs? Oh yeah, all the the dangling chairs and the it just looked it looked really surreal. Um, I, I I really like uh, the um, entrances that they uh, have done over the years. Six years ago at uh, TLC, um, we had Dean Ambrose defeat Kevin Owens to win the WWE IC belt. And today would have been the 38th birthday of Northern England wrestler Christopher Darren Travis, or simply Chris Travis. And it would have been the 69th birthday of Sylvester Ritter, best known to wrestling fans as the Junkyard Dog, JYD. A little bit about him. Uh, born in Wadesboro, North Carolina, an All-American with Fat, uh, Fetty, oh, Fat Yetville State University, he began his wrestling career. Uh, Ritter made his WWF debut in August of 1984. His interaction with Young Vince made him an instant hit. JYD feuded uh, notably with Harley Race, the Funk Brothers, Adrian Adonis, Greg Valentine, and the outlaw Ron Bass. Though he never won a championship, he did win the Wrestling Classic Tournament in 85. Ritter le left the WWF in October of 88. Two months later, he would debut for the NWA at Clash of the Champions uh, 4, saving Ivan Koloff from an assault from the Russian assassins. Uh, success came quickly for Ritter. He won a $50,000 bunkhouse battle royal at Starcade 88. In February 91, JYD would win his first championship, the, uh, the short-lived WCW six-man tag team titles, winning them with Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich over Dr. Z, Dutch Mantel, and Buddy Landell. He would leave WCW for good in July of 93 and largely um, uh, retired. On June 2nd, 1998, as Ritter returned from his daughter Latoya, Latoya's high school graduation in Wadesboro, North Carolina, he fell asleep at the wheel and suffered what would be a fatal single car accident in Forest, Mississippi. He was only 45. Yeah, I didn't really get to see too much of uh, JYD uh, with his time in WD. Uh, since I started watching in uh, September of 86. Uh, but you, if you listen to a lot of uh, either Grill and JR or um, something to Russell, they um, talk about how JYD's career was actually really huge uh, uh, working for um, uh, Bill Watts in UWF. And it was uh, only after Vince offered him money that he jumped. Uh, and left uh, Watts high and dry in 84 to uh, join WD. Of course, he got uh, to be part of the uh, rock and wrestling uh, cartoon, uh, one of the first ones on the line of uh, the toys that were uh, created by LJN. So jumping from the UWF to WWF probably wasn't a bad uh, thing in the long run, and he didn't get blackballed uh, too bad because uh, WCW was willing to pick him up, or NWA was, uh, after he left in October of 88. So it kind of worked out for him, but uh, drugs and alcohol were unfortunately a bad demon for him, and which was one of the reasons why he ended up crashing his car and costing his life. Yep. Rest in peace there, JYD. Moving on to December 14th, 35 years ago, WWF tapes the ninth edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. The show aired on January 3rd, 1987, and served as the final match in a long rivalry between Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff. Hulk Hogan defeated Paul Orndorff in a steel cage match to retain the WWF Championship. The match was restarted when both men hit the floor at the same time when they escaped the cage. Other matches on the show, Adrian Adonis defeated Rowdy Rowdy Piper by Countout, and Black Jack Mulligan defeated Jimmy Jack Funk. Quite the stack card there. Oh, yeah. 
Jimmy Jack Funk uh, always looked uh, unwashed to me. Yeah. 29 years ago in Tokyo, Japan, the Hellraisers, Ward Road Warrior Hawk and Power Warrior, being Kenzuki Sasaki, uh, defeated Scott Norton and Tony Helm, Ludwig Borga, to win the IWGP Tag Team Championship. 23 years ago on Raw's War, the big boss man and Ken Shamrock defeated the New Age Outlaws to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. 18 years ago, WWE presented Armageddon from the TD Waterhouse Center. Uh, Randy Orton defeated Rob Van Dam to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Mick Foley was the special referee for that one. Evolution, Ric Flair, and Batista defeated the Dudley Boys in a tag team turmoil uh, match to win the World Tag Team Championship. And Triple H defeated Goldberg and Kane in a triple threat match to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Interesting card. Mm-hmm. 13 years ago, WWE presented another Armageddon. Sam Punk defeated Rey Mysterio to become the number one contender for the WWE IC belt. And Jeff Hardy defeated Edge and Triple H in a triple threat match to win the WWE belt. Yeah, you rarely see those number one contender matches anymore. Uh, WWE's kind of scrapped them and having what I kind of uh, don't like with these contender matches or whatever where they potential number one contender is going against the champion and if you get a victory over the champion then you get an opportunity to go after the champion it's like no that's that's no i kind of understand that but i understand that if it's a newer guy or if it's a guy that hasn't proven himself yet but if they've already won a championship at some point they shouldn't have to qualify like, <laughs> well, not. I don't like the idea of you have to beat the champ to get a shot at beating the champ again. I, I don't mind this idea like they had with uh, CM Punk and Rey Mysterio battling to become the number one contender for a title because that uh, says that these two oh, guys. Yeah, 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 that I agree with. But basically, the match is the match you're describing is isn't that basically a the title is an on the line match? Yeah, it's a non title match to get a title match. Yeah, and that's what it really should be. It's just a non-title match. And if they do, in fact, win, then they go, whoa, does this mean he's actually going to have to put up his belt against this guy? Yeah, but they just label it as a contendership match. Mm. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Go figure. It's the current WWE status. But is the wrestling still good? That's my question. Between the belts? The wrestling and the ring is still good. Exactly. That's why house shows are better than watching on TV. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. December 15th. 58 years ago, Rican Dozen uh, dies from complications from a stab wound he suffered in a Tokyo nightclub. He was just 38. Ricky Dozen is often credited as being one of the primary influences of professional wrestling gaining prominence in the land of the rising sun. He is a member of the w, uh, the 2017 WWE Hall of Fame Legacy Wing. Congratulations, Ricky. Mm-hmm. 34 years ago, the WWF presented the second Slammy Awards from Caesars in Atlantic City, New Jersey. The show was best remembered for Vince McMahon's dance, dance number of Stand Back. The video would be uh, would first resurface more than a decade later on the May 28th, 2001 Raw is War episode, but most notably in 2006 during the D-Generation X McMahon feud in 2006. Uh, there was Dancing Girls, Hogan on the guitar, and many superstars on horns, and George the Animal Steel on tambourine. It is absolutely fantastic, um, even though it's bad, but it's also fantastic. It, it's 80s cheese, definitely. Oh, yeah. And as you see, Hogan with his bass guitar and Savage Beefcake and uh, Jake on trumpet, the Killer Bees and uh, JYD on saxophones. But 
Vince does a really good job with that song, uh, which was made for Andre the Giant, and the, the video had Andre in it, but I don't believe Andre used it as a uh, actual theme mm -hmm. to go to the uh, ring with. And mm -hmm. you did mention it was the second Slammy Awards because the first one had... Uh, uh, Jimmy Hart uh, singing Eat Your Heart, Rick Springfield, and stuff like that, and uh, Duggan and Race going through the screen. But technically, it was the 37th annual Slammy Awards. Really? That's what they put it up on the screen. And hey, well, hey, you know, who's going to, except for the hardcore wrestling fan, who is going to know? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, it was a decent... Uh, uh, songs that they did, uh, and that was part of the Pile Driver album. And uh, the year before was from the wrestling mm -hmm. album one, but yeah, the, worth the look. The, now, the song Stand Back, I'm not sure who originally done it. I know the Fabulous Thunderbirds did it and uh, made it uh, popular. Yeah, probably uh, Thunderbirds did it, and then Vince uh, recorded it for Pile Driver. Uh, 25 years ago, WWF presented In Your House 12, It's Time, in a free-for-all pre-show match, uh, Ricky Maivia, sorry, Ricky, Rocky Maivia defeated uh, Salvatore Sincerio by DQ. Owen Hart and the British Bulldogs defeated Fake Diesel and Fake Razor Ramon to retain the WWF World Tag Team Championship. Of course, one of those being um, Kane and uh, the other guy, who did he become? Uh, he was Rick Bogner. Uh, he's unfortunately passed away, but he really was, I think he was from, uh, from Canada, uh, out uh, west, uh, suggested by Bret Hart uh, to come in. Not necessarily to be fake diesel, I mean, fake razor, but that uh, also had uh, uh, Sid against Brett in the main event. All right. 24 years ago on Nitro, Brett Hurt uh, would make his WCW debut, debut as the announced special referee for Larry Zbysko versus Eric Bischoff at Starcade. Such a shitty friggin' welcome to WCW. Yeah, as I've said numerous times on a bunch of different uh, podcasts, you have, regardless of what you think WWE did as uh, screwing Brett over, he had a written in on a silver platter storyline for Bischoff to use upon arrival. And he didn't do it. Like, uh, even if Brett didn't know what was going on and Vince screwed him over like people want to say happened, Vince and Brett talked about it, that WCW wouldn't know what to do with a Bret Hart. Vince came up with what to do with a Bret Hart, and still they failed. Ah, bless WCW for screwing up. Over yeah. on Raw's War, uh, the Attitude Era begins after Vince McMahon announces a change in creative direction, with McMahon giving the dubbed The Cure for the Common Show speech. This episode of Raw was uh, also the first introduction of the company's Scratch logo. The Scratch logo was briefly used with WWE's New Generation slanted logo for a few months before transitioning fully to the Scratch logo at WrestleMania 14. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the Monday Night Wars, I believe in our uh, revamp of our uh, format, we're going to uh, look at one of those weeks during the Monday Night War to compare WCW's show to uh, WWE, WWF show. Uh, so we'll see uh, which uh, week uh, comes up on each episode, and we'll uh, take a look at that. So something to look forward to, along with, as I said, deeper dives into careers and uh, pay-per-views. Yes. Uh, 21 years ago, ECW presented what would be the last taping of Hardcore TV. The Dudley Boys and Taz, all contracted to the WWF at the time, returned to the promotion for a one-off appearance. Also in the crowd for the show was Smashing Pumpkins frontman and future wrestling promoter Billy Corgan. 19 years ago, WWE presented Armageddon 2002. 
Booker T and Goldust in a fatal four-way elimination match won the World Tag Team Championship. Kurt Angle defeated the Big Slow to win the WWE Championship. And Triple H defeated Shawn Michaels 2-1 in a three stages of hell match to win the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't mind three stages of hell matches. At least they're, uh, they up the ante each uh, fall, but... Now it's also almost a guarantee that you're going to go all three yeah. just to get to that most uh, anticipated violent match. See, that's one where I'd actually like to see them do it, where they lose two matches in a row and you think it's over, then something happens and Buddy goes, you want to still do the third match? I'll still put up my belt or whatever. And then, you know, anyway. Yep. Change like it up, for fuck's sakes. Eight years ago, WWE presented tables, ladders, and chairs. The show's main hook was a unification match for the WWE and World Heavyweight Championships. Uh, CM Punk defeated The Shield, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose in a three-on-one handicap match. Uh, the Wyatt family, Barry, uh, Barry, uh, Bray Wyatt, Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper defeated Daniel Bryan in a three-on-one handicap match. And Randy Orton defeated John Cena in a TLC match uh, to unify the WWE and World Heavyweight Championship. And on to our last day, December 16th. 31 years ago, NWA and WCW presented Starcade 90 Collision Course. The show's focus was the Pat O'Connor Memorial International Cup Tag Team Tournament. The wrestling legend who died earlier in the year of cancer. Uh, Team USA, Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner, defeated Team Japan, Mr. Sato and the Great Muda, to win the tag tournament. Lex Luger defeated Stan Hansen in a bull rope match to win the NWA US Heavyweight Championship. And Sting defeated the Black Scorpion in a steel cage match to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Belt. Dick the Bruiser was the special referee for that match, and post-match, the Black Scorpion, rumored at various points to be the ultimate warrior, uh, uh, or Dave Angel of Death Sheldon, and El Perez was, uh, it was just Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, I think El Perez did uh, go under the hood a few times uh, before they revealed it, but then it was, yeah, here's your uh, big reveal, Rick. Yay. 14 years ago, WWE presented yet another Armageddon, and that would be 2003, I believe. Shawn Michaels defeated Mr. Kennedy. Jeff Hardy defeated Triple H to earn a WWE Championship match at the 2008 Royal Rumble event. And Edge defeated Batista and The Undertaker in a triple threat match to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Wow, that's a much younger-looking edge on the screen there. Oh, compared to what he looks like now, uh, his eyes are just so sunken, and yeah, his face is not uh, as full as it is here. No, he he looks like his age now. But hey, he's still in great shape, so mm -hmm. good for him. Twelve years ago, at a TNA Impact uh, taping, Lethal Consequences, Jay Lethal and Consequences Creed, defeated Beer Money, Inc., James Storm and Robert Roode to win the TNA World Tag Team Championship. Nine years ago, Ring of Honor presented Final Battle Doomsday from the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. The show featured the final in-ring appearance of El Generico. Matt Hardy defeated Adam Cole. Uh, the Briscoe Brothers uh, defeated Scum, being Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino and Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander in a three-way tag team match to win the Orwich World Tag Belt. And Kevin Steen defeated uh, Sami Zayn, I mean El Generico, in a ladder war four to retain the ROH World Championship. Yeah, uh, and uh, just this past weekend, uh, Ring of Honor had their final battle, which might be their final battle unless they do come back in April. But it uh, looks like with everything going on with uh, financials and Sinclair uh, company that owns them, 
Ring of Honor might be just Ring of Honor in name and be a ultimate indie show more so than anything else, um, unless they are able to pull up the nose in April and uh, restart. But uh, well, what they could do is sell their library to WWE and get some money, and there you go. You're probably good. True. The way I'm, I'm surprised they're, that WWE isn't doing more of that, where some of these struggling ones get their library Give them some money, and they can continue to make content for you. <laughs> there had been thoughts of that, but uh, it didn't sound like it happened. And then also people were wondering if Tony Khan was going to end up uh, buying uh, either Ring of Honor outright or their library and have his own uh, on-demand uh, system, just like how uh, WWE does, and so is Impact, because then you can uh, put the last two years of AEW up with all their uh, dark episodes and mm. new rampages and stuff like that. Plus then if you had something like a uh, uh, ring of honor there, there's at least some sort of content for people to look at. I don't think it would be to a point yet of uh, streaming 24 seven, like the WWE network does, but it would be something to start with. Indeed. And, uh, AEW did send a bunch of uh, people to the final uh, battle to at least honor uh, Ring of Honor for their time that they've been there, including uh, guys like Adam Cole, yeah, Brian Danielson, and CM Punk. Nine years ago, WWE presented TLC, uh, The Shield. Uh, of course, being Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns defeated Team Hell No. Kane and Daniel Bryan and Ryback in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Alberto Del Rio, uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, what? And The Miz defeated CMB, Drew McIntyre, Heath Slater, and Jinder Mahal. Dolph Ziggler defeated John Cena in a World Heavyweight Championship Money in the Bank ladder match. And why isn't the Brooklyn Brawler in the, in the Hall of Fame yet? Uh, I think he had a falling out with Vince after 20 plus years of working. Ah, they need a jobber wing. Well, Seven years ago. A jobber. Sorry? He was more than just a jobber. He did a lot oh, absolutely, of. Absolutely, uh, but he was like a super jobber. Yeah, he had a lot of uh, also backstage uh, mm -hmm. agents uh, work with uh, helping with promos, uh, along with obviously being Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, mm -hmm. Kim Chi. And uh, Brooklyn Brawler. I'm sure he'll get in there eventually. In and the, a doink. In the Legendaries wing or the Forgotten wing or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. See, they also need one where it's the ones you didn't think would ever get in, but they get in the bad part of the <laughs> wing. You know. Seven years ago, WWE presented Super SmackDown Live from the Van Andel Arena in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The show was a milestone one as it was the 800th episode of the series. And that is it for this week and this whole year of going through all the things that have happened in professional wrestling. Um, I've enjoyed doing it. And the whole reason why I started it is to get enough content to do trivia questions. So now I have a year's worth of, well, not a year's worth, but you know what I mean? Got a shitload of content. We'll eventually get back to uh, doing that game show uh, idea. We'll have to see about getting some sponsors uh, so we can have some prizes going out and advertising uh, in that regards. But, yeah, it would be awesome to uh, get going back to the uh, game show idea. And I will not be playing because <laughs> it seems like a, a little bit of a handicap uh, there, unless I was given a handicap. Uh, plus, well, I have a year's worth of all the notes and knowledge anyways. But, uh, yeah, hopefully do that. I thank you for actually doing this uh, with us uh, together for the uh, past year. And as I said at the beginning and earlier, we're going to uh, deep dive into a couple of things and uh, look at how uh, some of these pay-per-views set up. Like what happened nine years ago at TLC to have the Shield go against Ryback uh, and Team Hell No. What happened on Raw to lead up to it? What happened after that 
did uh, the Team Hell No drop the titles to uh, the Shield at all, which I think they did. But, uh, you know, so we'll look at some of the fallouts and what led up to some of these events, what actually happened during the event, uh, and we'll uh, see if they were good or bad. I think next week we're going to be looking at a good and bad uh, pay-per-view. So we got two on the uh, tap for that. And, of course, uh, Superstars uh, profiles and a little more deep dives than to celebrate the stars. We'll see what else pops up along with the uh, Monday Night Wars. And of course, this week in wrestling history has been compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, CagesideSeats.com, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And a big thank you to, always to our sponsor, CoolBet. CoolBet.com and sports book betting and casino games. Go check it out if you haven't yet. And stay cool and bet responsibly. And always... Thanks to our genres listeners out there. Yeah, everybody over on the UK side of things, uh, US, Canada, or all over the world. So reach out to us if there's something we missed, something that sparks your memory as well. Share it. We'll share it on the show as well. Uh, we do this because we enjoy wrestling, and you know the history is a lot uh, more fun to look back on to either learn from or just reminisce and think uh, the good old days compared to what we're uh, seeing today. But thank you once again, and we will see you next week with our revamped version of This Week in History. <laughs>